And, you know, the reason for that is because we have a wonderful new camera here in the WNSR studios. And uh, there is an adjustment that needs to be made on the camera called a white balance, uh, which will bring all the appropriate color into focus here in the room. And I asked you appropriately during the break, do you you think the camera thinks... I'm too white. No, no, it has because nothing I, to do with I that. I need a tan. I has really do. Zero to do with that oh, okay. whatsoever. Okay, I, we're both wearing blue, so maybe we that's, are wearing blue. The curtain behind a, us is blue. blue. There's some Nashville Predator and Titan paraphernalia around. That's all in blue, so it picks up the the dominant color in the yeah. room and will tint the camera in that direction. And now we're going to talk about blue teams. Yes, Belmont, we are. Belmont, the Titans. Steve Lehman, News Channel Five, is with us. Steve, how we doing? Steve, What's up, guys? I feel like that was like photography 101. I was going to say, Steve, you know about white balance. How did I do, sir? How did I do explaining (laughs) to the audience what white balance is? You did very well, and and that is the first thing you know is when you go out on the field, if you fail to get that white balance, man, your video is not going to be very good. (laughs) And they will let you know about it, too. (laughs) They will. Because Washington State was having their way with uh, Prime – He's just prime now, not prime time. He's just prime. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he, I'm sure he's got receipts on the Cougars now. It was like, what, 45-7 at the half. I, I was well, like, Well, Matt. fortunately for him, he's never going to have to play him again, Darren. That's true. Oh, that's They're true. Switching that's back. actually a really good point. That's right. That was the last time they were going to play him. They're going back home to where the Buffalo Roam. Yeah, the that's right. I don't think they'll have him as an out-of-conference game. Probably not. You're right. No. Good point, Steve. Uh, I was like flipping around, and I was like, oh, yeah, Belmont, Arizona. And unfortunately, the wild card, uh, Wildcats um, won pretty easily, but no shame in losing Arizona out there. They're, they look really good. What, what did you see? How good are they? I was blown away, and I thought they were good going into the game on paper. They were even better in person. I actually thought Belmont played pretty well in the game. Knocked down double-digit threes. Malik Diop played well inside. Arizona is just loaded. They have... Six guys averaging between 11.5 and 13.5 points per game. They've scored 397 points in four games and don't have a single 20-point score on the season yet. It's just mind-blowing how balanced they've been and how dynamic they've been. And then you throw in all the other parts to them. Umar Ballo is the Pac-12 preseason player of the year. He's a seven-footer that has a lot of skill and that can alter the game. I would argue that the seven-foot-two freshman they're bringing off the bench is even better. And they've got multiple guards who can play. They've got two transfers who've played in national championship games at other schools the last couple of years. So they're that perfect combination of old and experienced, really talented, really long, unselfish and balanced, I tell you what, guys, in the age of college basketball where I don't think we see super, super teams necessarily year in and year out, they looked like an elite, great team to me. Right now, I think having them third in the country is too low. Mm. I think they're better than Kansas or Purdue right now and better than anybody else out there. Whether they'll be there in March or April, we'll find out. Obviously, Arizona's tripped up in the tournament before. But right now, they look really, really good. So, I'm just telling you right now, college basketball is doing a great job. I'm I'm paying more attention to college basketball than I have in a while with these early games. By the way, Tennessee-Purdue is going to do battle. Kansas and Marquette. I watched 
Last week, Kansas and Kentucky. I watched Duke and Michigan State. I'm watching these good teams. By the way, with you saying that, are the big men coming back to basketball? You know, we've got, you know, Wimby, what he's doing with San Antonio. You just mentioned Arizona. They're big men. Purdue, we know about Edie. And he's getting ready to face Tennessee. Dude, I wa- Steve, I watched the Kansas-Kentucky game. Hunter Dickerson, who transferred to Kansas, Kentucky could not stop him. I think he had like 27 yep. and 21, I think was his, his final stat line, something like 28 and 22, something like that. Are, are big men coming back in basketball? I think maybe to a degree. What you really find, especially at the college level, Darren, is if you have that guy, he's really valuable. There aren't very many Hunter Dickinsons in the college game. There, there's no team that has what Arizona has w- with their four seven-footers and two that could be all Pac-12 type of players. And then Zach Eady at 7'5 at Purdue is just a different type of animal in his own right. But there's just a handful of teams in the country that have anything like that. And so the ones that do can really focus on pounding the ball inside and taking advantage of what they have there. Most teams just simply cannot do that. And so, yeah, I think when you have it, you, you exploit it to your advantage the best you can possibly do. Wimby's is a totally different animal to me because sure. he's like a point guard that's yeah. 7'4". And so he's just the freak of all freaks and obviously already doing amazing things at the next level. But, yeah, in college basketball, if you've got a 7-footer with skill that can do things, man, you've got something that only a rare few have. This is the time of year when coaches start losing their jobs, coordinators start losing their jobs. Matt Canada, we woke up. The noise has been so loud in Pittsburgh. He gets fired with the Steelers. We know the Buffalo made a change last week with Ken Dorsey as their OC. Mike Vrabel is getting asked about job security. Mike Vrabel is getting asked about his room. What do you make of the last couple of days of press conferences of Mike Vrabel, which are not your standard press conferences we've seen over the last six years with Mike Vrabel, and that's because obviously they're three and fourteen in their last seventeen games. Yeah, and let's be honest: what are you going to ask? How are you going to get the running game going this weekend? <laughs> or, or do, how do you mask the def- deficiencies on your offensive line this week with yeah. more guys out with injuries? It's just we've reached the point of the year that until they win a game or two and turn it around and give you something to talk about the week in and week out, the only thing you can really do at this point is talk about the big picture. And that, to me, is maybe Mike Vrabel's biggest problem here, guys, is I think he, the job he did through his first five years in Tennessee has earned him a pretty long leash. He's a good football coach, and given better talent, I think he'd have the results that, you expected in the first four years he had here with the Titans again. The problem he's going to have, though, is momentum is a real thing in sports. And he's now lost 14 of 17 games. That's a full season in the NFL. If you go back to November 17th or 18th, 19th of last year to now, they've played a full season worth of games, and they've been 3-14. and 14. The only team worse in that time is the Arizona Cardinals, who were 2-15. and 15. That's not the company you want to keep And there's no real sign out there that that's going to turn around in the final seven games of this season. So how many coaches out there can withstand a year and a half of futility within their organization 
and live to talk about it in the next year. My hunch is Mike Vrabel is going to have that opportunity, but it's going to get tested, and certainly his seat is as warm today as it has ever been since he's been the Titans head coach. I agree with you on just about everything you said about Mike Vrabel. I, I, we talked about it a lot yesterday. I, I, look, I think I've been a little bit surprised at how quick everybody's, you know, a lot of the fan base is get him out of here, fire him, and I understand that's how it works in sports. But um, I, I said he, he he is obviously suffering from the void of talent, but I, I've also said Mike Vrabel right now, if I were giving out grades, would get a D in hiring his staff. He has got to do a better job with his staff. I'm sorry. I just don't agree with it. I think he hires yes-men. I think he hires buddies. I think he hires people that he's comfortable with, and he has got to start thinking outside the box, and he has got to get better. They treated Jim Schwartz like he was the gimp in Pulp Fiction, like they were keeping him in a chest down in the basement, and he didn't want him to talk to anybody. He didn't want to answer questions about him. And Jim Schwartz is now the D.C. in Cleveland, and the Browns' defense is incredible, and their defense has gone to hell in a handbasket. That's not by coincidence. Yeah, it probably is not. I, I would argue that certain guys who performed well before Jim Schwartz and you would have expected them to perform well after have not lived up to the expectations for themselves at this point, and, and that's a problem. Harold Landry isn't the same guy. Christian Fulton has had probably his worst season as a pro, and he was inconsistent even before now. And you throw in some of the other additions that haven't panned out, like an Arden Key. I don't think Aziz Alshire, while not bad, I don't think he's necessarily been the answer at linebacker. Sean Murphy Bunting's been hurt here as of recently. You trade Kevin Byard. It's not the same defense, and that's not an excuse. But this defense needed to be elite for this team to have any chance this year, and they haven't been. And so when you have an offense that doesn't have an offensive line that allows it to function and you know you're not going to put up many points, you're putting a ton of pressure on the defense to essentially be perfect, and they've been far from it. By and the way, that, all that, of that's us... That's worth criticizing. By the way, all of us thought the strength of this team was the defense going into the season. Everybody yes. thought the strength of this team Everybody. was the defense. And this Darren, defense thought, has been a pile of crap all year. Yeah, Darren, we talked about it a lot yeah. leading into the season, especially mm-hmm. Sunday night, Sunday Sports Central. Our projection from myself and JB to Jonathan Hutton to Keith Bullock was this could be a top five top, defense. Top five, okay. And yeah. certainly, yeah. certainly should be top ten. Yeah. Like the. Uh oh. Steve? Did we lose him? He's on a roll. I don't know. Apparently. Oh, man. Apparently, I was glued him. to what he was going to say. Yeah. He was rolling along. Uh, let's check. All right. We'll he check. may be trying to call us back here. Um, but yeah, he was, he was, he was laying in there. Um, rolling along there about about the defense and the fact that the defense hasn't done much yeah. over the last because, little bit. Because, right, we all thought the defense was going to be 100% the strength of this team. And I think yeah. I think I was more in the it's a, it could it has a chance to for sure be a top 10 defense. I don't I never went top 5, but I didn't think it was crazy. No. to think that. No. And I mean, look, you know, that's so laughable today. It's, <laughs> you know, but. It was it was laughable, but I mean they, they've. I think they've kept the team in ball games way more than the offense has. So I think we got him back, Steve. You're on a roll. I want to. I want you to finish your point. 
Yeah, I just, I mean, they have to be better defensively. There's no question about it. And I think you're right that Mike Vrabel has to evaluate his coaching, the situation, the staff around him to make sure that he's got the right people in the right spots. But at the end of the day, two years ago, nobody was criticizing the staff, even with Todd Downing as the offensive coordinator, because they had better talent. And they went out there and they performed, and they they were probably outperforming their station, frankly, for who was on the team at the time. And that was largely because of the coaching. And two years later, is the coaching that much worse at, at every position? I don't think so. I think the roster is that much worse. And so the big question as you move forward is, how much has Mike Vrabel been responsible for the roster? Yeah, you know, that's, and, and that's the question I would love that's to ask. The biggie. Amy yep. Front, yep. You know, because what does she think about this? Mm-hmm. Because clearly, last year, about now. She fired John Robinson because she she thought that he was responsible for the, the the downward trend in talent in the building, and that that was eventually going to be a problem. That's why she needed to make the move. She's giving a lot of faith into Mike Vrabel right now. And I get that, but how much did Mike Vrabel have to do with the personnel decisions before December fifth of last year? And then in the off season, they changed the roster by about forty percent. How much did he have to do with that? Was he 40% of it? Was he right. 50% of the 40% or mm-hmm. was it all Rand Carthon? Yeah. And that's the part we don't really know at this point. But if you're counting on Mike Vrabel to turn it around as a coach, how much are you also counting on him turning it around as the personnel evaluator at this point? And that's the thing we just don't know. Is he any good at that? Yeah. I think he's a great coach if you give him the pieces. I have no idea if he's a good personnel evaluator. Last thing on my end, and I'm I'm going to really hit you here, okay? Because it was in the news last week, more news about the new stadium, right? Nissan's going to stay on board, but there was other news, right? So it looks like 2027 is going to be when they open uh, this new puppy up. What do you think today, if I asked you odds, percentage chance that Mike Vrabel is the head coach opening up that new stadium in the 2027 season, what would you put the percentage at today? And again, this is subject to change, but I'm asking you today in November of 2023. So that's getting through three more full seasons beyond this to get to opening day of 2027. I would put it... I would put it at... Man, I'm going to... I know. It's not, I, I gonna, know I'm blindsiding I'm, you. I'm going to say 40-60. Ooh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go below 50 only for this reason because of the momentum that we were talking about. And, and that's a big change. If you would have asked me this question in the middle of the summer, I think I would have probably told you that it was 75-25 that he would be there. So I, I think there's been a sizable change. And, again, I don't think he's getting fired next week. I don't think he's getting fired at the end of the season. But I think for the first time, that seat is warm. And when the seat starts to get warm, your clock has begun. And I don't know right now where Amy Adams-Strunk's patience level is here, but she clearly has to be evaluating everything about this. And so when you go into next season, assuming this season ends the way we all believe it's going to, I think you have to start looking about the long-term viability of what he can do as your head coach and certainly as an owner going into a new building, which you want packed and full of excitement when it opens, you can't afford to let the momentum go completely the wrong way and to be at the bottom of the league for multiple years. 
And so while I believe that she's probably sitting there right now thinking Mike Vrabel's the right coach for this team long term, we just have to get the right talent in to do it. At some point, if you keep losing and he doesn't turn it around with whatever talent you have, you're going to have to make a move to try and interject life back in the franchise before you get to that point. So just based where we're sitting here right now, it's kind of a 50-50 proposition of whether he turns it around and gets it back winning and going the right way. And just based off of where they are and the roster that they currently have and what it's going to take, I guess I'd put my odds at just slightly below 50-50 that he can do that. So, Steve, while you've been chatting, I've been doing a little research here, just been looking back. Mike Vrabel uh, has been involved uh, with big-time sports. When I say big-time sports, I mean starting with his freshman year at Ohio State uh, back in 1995. He has been playing or coaching in big-time college football at Ohio State or in the NFL every single year since 1995. The question is this, Steve. During that time, from 1995 to 2023, he has been with the Ohio State Buckeyes, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Houston Texans, and now the Tennessee Titans. Do you care to wonder how many losing seasons Mike Vrabel's been a part of through all those years? I know the answer because uh, I've looked it up here. But let me tell you, it's it's not often. It's, it's not often at all, which leads to the bigger question here. I won't make you guess It's because it's a hard number to come up with. It's four. It's four losing seasons through all those years from 95 until now. He's been a part of four losing seasons in the NFL and in college football. Of course, none of them came in college football. Ohio State's very good like all the time. My question to you is this. What do you think if if the Titans end up faltering down the stretch here and they are completely irrelevant in the month of December? What is that interview room like with him with the Titans being a non-factor for the last, you know, five to six weeks of the season? It's a great question. I'll give him credit so far, Justin. I think is the questions have ramped up the last couple of weeks. He's actually been really good. I, I don't think he wanted to answer all the questions, but I think the answers he's given have been pretty good. Whether you like the answer itself or not, he's at least spoken about it. So we'll see how he acts in the media room down the stretch. But I, I think more importantly is how he responds, because you're right. I, I don't think Mike Vrabel has failed at anything in his entire life. Yeah, He has been a success and an overachiever at everything he has ever done. And now he's staring at potentially a second straight losing season. And how he decides to handle that, both with his own expectations of what he believes he can do, and this team can do, and also how he handles the locker room. Because, guys, he's been really good in part because he himself is an incredibly consistent person. And his message to the team is incredibly consistent every single week about we do these things, we execute these keys, we'll see these results, and it will lead to success ultimately. And I think that has done very well for him, both as a player and certainly as a head coach, it won him coach of the year two years ago when they had a record number of players playing because of injuries because the next guy believed in the message and stepped up and they continued to get positive results with it. Well, right now he's been preaching that same message for the last calendar year and they've lost 14 of 17 games. And to me, that is the biggest worry if you're a Titans fan or if you're Amy Adams Strunk or if you're being honest with yourself and you're Mike Vrabel is losing that message. 
Because that's who you are at your core. And if, if the players in the locker room begin to not believe that doing what you're telling them and keeping with that routine and that mission will no longer lead to the success that it had before, that's a real problem. And that's something he's going to have to fight if the losses continue to mount here in the last month, month and a half of the season. Steve, great stuff as always. Have a happy Thanksgiving. I know you got a Belmont game, what, Friday they host Monmouth. Uh, enjoy this week, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Best of you and your families, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Same Steve. to you. Steve Lehman, News Channel 5. Good stuff from him, as always. We're wide open the rest of the hour. 615-844-5600 is how you can get in touch with the show. More of the McFarland Show next. Golfers, swing into Edwin Watts Golf Shops for the hottest new fall arrivals from TaylorMade, Callaway, and Titleist. Come by and test drive the new TaylorMade P790 irons, the new Callaway Apex Pro iron sets, and the new Titleist T-Series.